Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Glad to have you here with us today for episode 379 of the Speaker Lab podcast. I am joined today by a repeat guest, Miss Kendra Hall. And uh, today we're going to be chatting about her new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, and her mission to defeat the comparison game and thrive from the inside out. Now, we have all experienced significant unknown in the past two years during this crazy pandemic. And during our conversation today, Kendra's going to talk about her own life amidst the different seasons of the past couple of years and also what it looked like for her to pivot successfully by protecting her speaker mentality and how important that is. Kendra is passionate about knowing and understanding your why and using that to combat the comparison game and your inner critic. Even as an accomplished speaker, a successful author, Kendra admits that at times there are fear and comparison that still can creep in. And so her willingness to share allows us to really unpack what you might wrestle with while building your own speaking business and how to find balance of confidence and care. Kendra's energy and experience bring so much to our conversation. It's going to leave you ready to kick your inner critic to the curb. She's going to share her method of finding confidence in past experiences so that you're ready to conquer the stage amidst any circumstances. There are so many awesome takeaways from my time with Kendra. So uh, let's get right into it. It's my conversation on managing your inner speaker critic with Kendra Hall. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are chatting with Kendra Hall, who's been on episode uh, 279 and 302. She's back for round three. Kendra, welcome back. How are you? So glad to be here, Grant. I'm great. How are you? Doing quite well. We were just discussing, we're recording this kind of right after the holidays here, and we're kind of discussing you're up in New York City. You've had massive amounts of COVID up there. Uh, and I know last time we had talked, which has been over a year now, it was kind of like toward the beginning of the pandemic, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so things were really starting to like take shape and not in a necessarily a good way. So a lot has happened since then. Like how has the speaking business for you played out in the past year and a half, two years or so? I mean, it's such a it's such a haze, actually. I, I feel like I would need to go back and look at my calendar. Of course, right at the beginning, it was just pure mayhem. Everything was disappearing overnight or postponing or whatever it was. Uh, we had a big burst of virtual then for 2020. And actually, when we looked at it by the numbers, the rev was the same from 2020 to 2019. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Sadly, like 2020 was the year, I remember having our conversation, our very first podcast conversation. And I was like, we're restricting the calendar. We're going to do this thing. And you're like, wait, how are you going to do that if you have eight events in the first like five weeks. And I remember that was a turning point question in my life because I was like, yeah, wait, how am I going to do that? So, so that was, thank you for that. But 2020 was supposed to be just this off the chart year. And I'm 
very proud that it that we held steady. And then 2021 really ended up being a blur. I had a few, even in 2020, I had a few in-person events. 2021, it kind of came in fits and starts. There was like yeah. a period of virtual and then there was like a couple of weeks of live and then there was a period of virtual. And I know September 2021, it was a travel schedule like 2019. And I was... <laughs> out of shape in terms of not in terms of delivering the message, but the travel and yeah. the like, I forgot my Spanx once I was afraid I opened my suitcase one time and was like, did I only bring one shoe? Like just those things that, you know, were so automatic. But then, you know, September, it was like, we just squeezed in all these in-person events and then Delta came and then it was, it was back to virtual for, the rest of the year, which was crazy. So yeah. what do you, yeah. so what do you seem like at this point? Like as we're, again, we're recording this a few days into 2022. Do you have a lot of in-person booked for the year? Is it more like going back to virtual? Is it kind of depend on the region of the country that where the event might or may or may not be hosted or what are you kind of seeing for the rest of the year? We're seeing most of the bookings are coming in, in person. We had a great full January then with Omicron, one event went virtual one, you know, so it's kind of like, it's hard to tell like these, but it was so funny because one event ended up wanting to push out whatever I don't. And I'm very fortunate that I have a team that manages a lot of that. Like that's a beautiful place for me to be. So I'm not like in that drama and devastation when that's happening. I have a team that does that for me. And I'm so, so, so very grateful for that. Um, But on the same day that one event was like, hey, we want to push out another event booked live and in person. So there really is no, we had an event in Arizona go virtual and an event in like, it's just, there isn't a rhyme or reason. If I could say there's a trend, most of the bookings are coming in in person, like yeah. they're, they're moving ahead, even for February, they're booking in a lot shorter schedules too. So, which is, is potentially a good thing for speakers. Cause oftentimes one of the challenges, especially for newer speakers is to get going is you're, you're booking something that may be six months out or eight months out. Uh, and so when you're now, when the window has tightened and it may be a one month or two months or three months out, sometimes it's, it's potentially easier to get going and to build some of that momentum with totally. gigs that are, that have a shorter, a shorter booking window. You're absolutely right. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Like the booking windows have definitely changed right. and yeah as you're just getting going that'd be great especially if you're collecting video footage at those events you can quickly turn that around incorporate each one into you know just make incremental changes to your demo reel you can be collecting that footage updating collecting the footage updating and yeah that's that's very true well one thing that's definitely shaped out in the past 2 years or so since all of this has happened is uh, speakers and developing the, like the, the, the mental fortitude of, of weathering just the highs and lows of this. And like, some days are great. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm booking a bunch of stuff and it, it's in person. Some of it's virtual, but it's working. And sometimes like I'm losing a ton of gigs left and right and things are falling apart. And so dealing with kind of the, the mental roller coaster of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, what have the two last two years been like for you? How have you kind of learned to kind of figure out, uh, and you mentioned like, you've got some people on the team that are helping navigate some of that, but at the same time, like when you have a great month, you feel it. When you have a bad month, you feel it. So yeah. how have you kind of learned to navigate? Like this isn't business as usual. Like it's still, I'm still having good years, but it's mentally much more difficult. How have you kind of figured out how to navigate that? I think the first thing is reminding myself of that. I think as, you know, as speakers, you're naturally 
you're an entrepreneur, you're thinking ahead, you're setting your goals, you're focusing on the future. And then when it's so hard, you're like, why? It must be me. I must be failing. Like what, you know, like, and it's been really helpful for me to remind myself that, no, this is still weird. Like this is not business as usual. You know, like they, I had a moment actually when the one event called and was talking about pushing out and somebody mentioned 2023. And I was like, no, I can't go there. Like I eternity away. Yeah, exactly. And, and it did require some mental discipline to stop that spiral of here we go again. I need to be fearful. I need to be, I need to protect. I need to, I need to say yes to every little thing because what if there's nothing in it, right? It makes you think differently. And, and um, the instinct is to make decisions out of fear. And that's just never a good place to make a decision. And I was actually now after, you know, all the work and research that I've been doing, um, I have a heightened awareness to that. And I was shocked at how quickly it took one phone call for me to go all the way back to March, 2020 mentally. And like, I could feel it in my body and I had to stop and say, this can't go any further. This is, this'll, this'll lead to behaviors and decisions that aren't going to serve you. What, how can we talk to ourselves right now, to myself right now to get past this little hurdle? We're going to figure this out and keep moving forward. What was that? Do you mind me asking? What was that one phone call that sent you kind of a, a spiral? It, w- it was the call from the team saying, well, that event in whatever city, I don't even remember, on whatever day, sometime in January, is yeah. asking in 2023. And I was like, oh, what? Yeah. Like, and not, it was nothing to do with them. It was, we're doing this again? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, what, I don't, I don't know. And fortunately, that was, that was the only one, you know, but, but right. You can go to dark places and, and for people who your entire work is putting brightness out there, it's really hard if you're in a dark spot. So I'm happy to say it was short lived for me. I've gotten really good at like, okay, I can feel that, feel the feelings that come with that. And now what do I do to be able to move forward from there? Yeah. And some of this uh, ties into what we're going to talk about today of your new book that is out now, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, and about silencing and dealing with that inner critic. And so, mm-hmm. so many like speakers, we stand on stage, we're supposed to be like the confident leader voice in the room. And at the same time, again, we, we still deal with so many of our doubts and insecurities and fears and being in the speaking industry can be, it's easy to fall into the comparison trap of everyone's putting their best foot forward. I did a thousand gigs last year at $50,000 a pop and everyone's just trying to like, put the best foot forward. And the reality yeah. is, is like, we're all scared and we're all nervous. We're all anxious. And we're all worried yeah. both for like, why did they get that gig? And I didn't get that gig. But so can you talk to us about the, talk to us about the book and then also talk to us specifically, like, how does this apply to speakers? Yeah. I mean, that is, it really is exactly what you're saying is what the book is like the, the speaker mentality and how you protect yourself in those situations. Because if you're operating from that mental space of comparison is scarcity. It's not going to be good for your business. It's not going to be good for you on stage. Um, and it's such a roller coaster for speakers. Like you can feel really good about a gig and then see somebody on a stadium stage at the air, you know, when you're at the airport waiting to board a plane and you're like, well, I thought my, so it's, I mean, it is, it's everywhere. So the book is choose your story, change your life, silence your inner critic and rewrite your life from the inside out. And it's essentially about stopping the negative 
automated stories that, you know, can lead us into these spirals. They can pile on all at once and be suffocating. And like, again, how you that's not a good place for anyone, but especially not for speakers to be operating from. How do you stop that and choose better stories to tell yourself to get you where you need to be? So for example, you mentioned, I just had this happen and I actually talked about it the other day. I just had it happen. I saw, I was talking to a peer, a speaking peer, and it came up and they said, oh my gosh, my January is just crazy. Everything's so insane. <laughs> and and of course, I'm very happy for that person. But immediately right. I was like, my is my January insane? I don't know if my January is insane. Like, what if right, I, and right. I mean, it is. And then there was somebody else said, oh, I already have XYZ events booked for this year. And I was like, um, and I didn't even know how many events I had booked for the year, but my first instinct was I'm failing. I'm falling behind. I must be doing something wrong. Right. And so in that moment, in those two moments, right then and there, I stopped because I knew where it was going and we're all, it's not competitive, but we want to do, we want to do our best. We want to, and comparison is natural. I stopped and said, okay, what story do I need right now? Like what, what is going to get me out of here? And I told myself the story of just the other day when Michael and the kids and I went to Bryant Park, met up with some other friends. We got like this igloo, even though it was 60 degrees in New York that day. It was very strange. Uh, we were playing shuffleboard and Bryant Park is magical at the holidays. There was, you know, an ice skating rink and had just this like wonderful, lazy January Sunday. I never used to have those uh, because I was always on, I didn't even have friends because I didn't have time to talk to anybody yeah. ever. And so I reminded myself, and there are so many stories of the past two years because as a result of being grounded is not flying to six events a month or whatever it is, there's really beautiful community and friendships and that really matters to me. And I didn't realize it previously. I didn't realize what I'd been missing out on. So when I heard this, oh my gosh, my January is just crazy and instantly had this like, oh, you're failing. Something's wrong with you. I was like, hold on a second and reminded myself of my January is how I designed it to be. And I designed it that way for a reason, because there are other things in my life right now that I also want to be doing. So I find that it's really important to know why you're doing what you're doing and stories that support why you're doing what you're doing, you know, mm -hmm. like the memories, the experiences, so that when you feel those inevitable flashes of comparison, it's not about them. It's never about them. It's about right. you. So it sounds like, you know, even today that you yeah. still deal with the, that inner critic because you haven't been, you've been full-time speaking for five years, like hadn't been five that long, years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that long. Yeah. And five so, years. Did you find that the, the inner critic voices have gotten louder or quieter as you've progressed in your career? They've gotten different. I would say they earlier on, it was very much, I was just go, 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 right? Like, and so the critics were more about, you mentioned some of those things, like why I, I want this, I want this event. I, I was thinking right. about it, like how much I used to focus on other speakers mm -hmm. actually without even really realizing it, but like following them and watching them and, and, and this person's doing this and this person's doing this and, 
I did have, I had a lot more of that at the beginning. I also feel like that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I was learning. I was seeing what was possible and who was doing what so I could kind of pick and choose what I wanted to do. But I would say now the 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 questions or the critic is more like existential. It's less about the number of events and the the fee and the number of people in the audience. It's more about what am I really trying to do here? Like, am I like, are you really serving these people or are you? So, so I would say actually that's how it's, it's very different much more now. It's like, what else do I have to give? Am I, it's very strange. I prefer the first one actually. (laughs) Like, have you found over time that you have, you have gotten better at handling those because, or because like maybe the inner critic is asking different questions out of, you're a different place in your career or is that maturity or is that just been intentionality of, okay, no, I need to, I'm going, when these situations come up, I need to handle it, you know, this way instead of that way, or how have you gotten better at, at handling some of this over time? I would say that it is, there's, there's a couple of things. So my part, one way that my inner critic used to get me. And I actually write about this in the book was making me, it was imposter syndrome by its like traditional sense. Like I was going to get out on stage and these people were going to realize that I didn't actually know what I was talking about, that I, they weren't going to find the information valuable. So that took, that took some retraining earlier on and not even earlier on, like that stayed with me for a long time, which is really, yeah, exactly. Like really frustrating in that way. I do feel more confident in like, no, and, and, you know, it, it, not, not a hundred percent, but I can get to that place very quickly of, Hey, Hey, quiet down inner critic. You wrote the book, you've done the research you've taught, you know, like you, this is what you know how to do. And you should believe in that, you know, and um, I can tell myself those stories. I would say what really happened for me was the pandemic. I mean, it was at the, at the point when it hit, or what I always feel, I don't like saying when it hit, but when it came upon us, like when it rained down <laughs> on us, however you want to say it, it was such a like, again, that was like, I had my phone calls were your 14,000 person event in April canceled your 16,000 or went virtual, your 16,000 person event in mm-hmm. May went virtual, your 20,000 person event in July went virtual. I mean, it was, it Got was real, real quick. It was really crazy. And then of course, you know, I, we were trying to, I mean, things here in the, they were everywhere, but here in the city, it was really hard to be raising a family and like through all of the, everything that was happening into 2021. And so I really think that it changed for me. I think the pandemic changed it for me, just that screeching halt. And, you know, honestly, when you're giving keynotes from your bedroom, instead of on a stage with lights and everything, I think it is more of an environment to wonder, like, am I bringing value? Is Mm -hmm. this making a difference for people? And so I think that Petri dish helped. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up, because these same five steps that help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. 
Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. Again, you've done really, really well in your career. You're well-connected with other speakers in the industry. And so there are plenty of those conversations that we have like after a gig or at a gig or between sessions or whatever, or at a meal or whatever. Do you find that a lot of other speakers have those same inner critics, the same doubts, the insecurities, the fears, whether it's again, the comparison trap of looking at other speakers. Why wasn't I picked for that gig? Why did they get a standing ovation? And I didn't, I'm a better mm-hmm. speaker than they are mm-hmm. playing the comparison game or the imposter syndrome of, I can't believe this client booked me. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm scared to death to do this gig in two months. And uh, I've never done a gig like this, or this is the biggest gig I've ever done or yep, whatever. Yep. Do you find that that is still very common amongst well-established speakers? I think so. Some people are more comfortable being forthcoming about that than others. And I do think there are some, and maybe I'm wrong. I do think there there are some speakers that have worked their way all the way through those feelings, or they just never, they were just, it just wasn't ever part of their business to like be comparing themselves to some, which I was like, man, I wish I had their balls. Like, I wish I just went out without a thought, but I think the majority, I think the majority of people, I think everyone deals with that on some level. And I find it so helpful and encouraging when, when people share that blatantly. Do you find that there's a certain level of having the inner critic that is healthy in some way, just from even like a humility standpoint? Yeah. What I I mean by that is like, as speakers, it is kind of a unique gig where part of our gig is signing autographs and taking pictures with people and people standing in line for a long time who want to talk to us and uh, lots of social media followers and people who will uh, DM us or message us or email us and say how amazing we were. And we get standing ovations and we're under the lights. And it's kind of weird. You know, it's like this Mm -hmm. pseudo celebrity world at this one little spot of this event, you know, and, and as soon as you get to the airport, nobody has any idea who you are, <laughs> no, it's yeah. back to normal and you get home and, and it's, you know, can you help with the kids? Uh, yeah. but for the moment, you're just like, maybe I am a big deal. Right. So how do you yeah. kind of balance the, the self-critic of just like keeping a sense of humility and like, yeah, like I had, uh, you know, I was hired to go present something and I want to have a level of confidence about that. But at the end of the day, like I'm a normal human, I'm a, uh, you know, you're a mom, I'm a dad, like we're still just like normal people off stage. And so how do you kind of balance like the healthy level of, of having an inner critic? I think that having an inner critic, you know, at its healthiest is just an indication that you care about what you're doing. That's not the first time that you've probably heard someone say that, right? Like, oh, I care. I want to do a good job. I know that for me that that's where it comes from. It's like, I want to do a good job and can I? Uh, So yeah, I think that having that inner critic has gives us some humility keeps us in 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 reality uh but i think actually for the most part the main thing that you don't need your inner critic to not get a big head i think that this is this is again this is where i get all like 
<laughs> these are the things that I'm wrestling with, right? Is that I think the inner critic and and having like thinking that you're as amazing and deserve every standing ovation. It's one thing to move an audience and have them stand up for you, but I'm not walking around. I'm not moving an audience at the airport, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that like you can move an audience by being kind to the person at the grocery checkout, you know, I think that, I think that's the key is to know what the ovation is for. It's because you impacted someone in a certain way and it's the nature of the environment where they would stand up and clap for you. But you can impact people, you know, at school drop-off or the, I'm trying to think of things that aren't New York City specific, but I'm like, like on the subway (laughs) to get, get, but these are, right? Like you, So I don't know. I don't think the inner critic is, I think it's healthy because it shows that you care, but I don't think that it's necessary to be a humble, good person once you get off the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. We all as speakers, again, at any level, we're all dealing with, with that inner critic. So what are like some practical, tangible things that we can be doing as next steps or when this comes up and you kind of mentioned like you, you get a call uh, that immediately, like you start going down this mental spiral and it's easy. Like you said that, like you push that domino and they all start tumbling real quick. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it becomes like, you know, I'm a horrible her- human and I'm a failure. It's like, that's not yeah, true. I need to go. At one point I was like, I need to go work at Best Buy like that. I just, right, everyone's right. going to need electronics. I should just go work all at Best Buy. All my gigs that's are going to cancel. I'm a failure. It's just like, that's not even ac- remotely. Uh, accurate. So no. how do we, like, what are some next steps that we should be doing of when those inner critics come? And again, it's not a matter of if they come, but when they come, how do we deal with that? How do we process that? How do we, in a healthy way, handle that? Yeah. And, and that was something that was really that was really important for me is to like give a path forward for this, right? Like how do we, how do we manage the stories that we're telling ourselves? And the first step is really to be aware of it in the first place to catch that like, Oh, wait, wait, this is, this is the storyteller here. This is that negative bias. This is my, so, so to know, to recognize it in the moment and also, so the moment it's happening, to recognize it and say, oh, wait, okay, there's this, these are, I've got a story pile on happening here. I need to pause it and take back control because that's just that cascade is a a natural nervous response to also be prepared. So when you know, like you're, you know, when you open up Instagram and you go follow that other speaker, right. That you, that you have yourself positioned up against and you know that there are going to be photos there that like but you know that inspire your inner right. critic like right. be ready i mean fine if you're a masochist and you want to put yourself through that do it but then be ready afterwards with the stories that make you feel good and and again we're not fighting story with story well they're doing this but i did this and i did this and i did this like it's that only feeds the competition and the negative feeling it's like okay pause what am i about like what do what am i when have i felt my best in this work what am i mo- like what is my proudest moment recently or what is my proudest moment in my entire career and and simply going back and thinking about and retelling and reliving those stories is the only antidote to that pylon but you have to be disciplined and you have to know what they are so for example i have one of like one of my and i've so I've had a lot of proud moments and I think we all have it. We just don't have to think of them as being really huge. Like you can have a really small 
really proud moment. Um, but I do remember it was the first time my kids saw me speak yeah. live and their reaction afterwards when I came out from backstage and they were just looking at me like, I mean, they didn't know that this is what my daughter thought I was Taylor Swift, right? Like they didn't know that this is what mama did. And that was like a really proud moment for me that it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing anywhere else. I'm like, oh, that was so good. Now that was years ago. And it's still, as I think about it, I can remember exactly what my daughter was wearing. I remember the looks on their faces. I remember how my son's hair was cut, how many teeth he had barely any teeth. And, you know, like I can go right back to that place. The other thing um, I would say is, is plan in advance. So for me, I would always have the inner critic come up as an event approached. And depending on the magnitude of the event or how my feelings about it. So maybe it was an industry I'd never spoken before. Right. My husband calls it the darkness. The inner critic would start creeping in like three weeks ahead of time, right? Because I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, I remember when I spoke on main stage for National Speakers Association, <laughs> like I, it was two months in advance that I just was miserable because I was so wrapped up in this, who do you think you are? You can't speak for speakers. It was... It was really intense. Um, and then, you know, so so to know when, like I knew that about myself and even if it was just a run of the mill everyday event, even the morning of, I would wake up and feel this like, oh, you're going to mess this up to the point of standing backstage. And so I knew this about myself. And so I developed a story strategy. I had, I chose a few very specific stories to tell myself. Now, sometimes you have to try a couple of times because it really matters how the story makes you feel. It's not the story that you think you should tell. It's the story that makes you feel a certain way. So what I did wrong was I would tell myself the stories of all my successes and be like, but you were successful here and you were successful. Like, believe in yourself. You've done this before. You know what you're doing. And my inner critic was like, no, no, no. I am not impressed by that. That doesn't matter to me. I poked holes in all of those examples. So the only thing that I found worked for me was times when things went terribly awry and I still did a great job. Hmm. So like the one time I had the stomach flu, now this probably wouldn't happen in, in today's world, but I got the stomach flu like the night before a big presentation and I was so sick and I had to run to an urgent care. Like the keynote was at 9am. So it's 7am, like right before sound check, I'm like knocking on an urgent care. Like I need Zofran or whatever to wow. knock down the nausea. The AV crew had to put a bucket off stage for me and had strict instructions wow. to cut the mic if I went off stage. And I'm proud to say, like, I crushed that. Nobody even knew. And I told, I'm like, just don't, let's not make a big deal. Cause then the audience is worried that yep, you're, yep. nobody needs to know about this. I'm going to be fine. This is going to be great. I really only told the AV crew and like one other person that came up to give me a hug. And I was like, I think you should just not hug me. This was so, I was ahead of my time. Um, <laughs> And then, and there were two other, like one event that was a huge audience, but there had been, I'd been at an event across the country. A flight got canceled. I ended up taking a red eye into a different city, getting in a car, driving in the middle of the night, taking a 30 minute nap and then going and speaking for 10,000 people. Like those are the stories. I was like, if I can do that, right. 
I can definitely do this. And it was the way the stories made me feel that then it just, the critic was like, yeah, okay. I got this. Do you, do you tell yourself that when you're backstage or at what point mm-hmm. in the process are you, are you going through that in your mind? As soon as I feel it start to create, and you know, when that is, as soon as I start to feel it, like I start to feel this, like, oh no, I remember this story. I remember this story. And now I'm good enough that by the time I get backstage, I don't really need it anymore. And honestly, it hasn't come up as much. Now I will say though, because I, I, I had it under control and then the pandemic hit again. I don't know why that's just what we say, but I don't understand. And then I had like one of my first back live in person and my inner critic was ready to go. Oh my gosh. It'd have been I still weird. remember how to do this. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly what it was saying. Like, who do you, you know, this is your time has passed. And so I actually expected that that would probably happen. Um, yeah. But I had to go back into, I had to go back into it and it was fine. And yeah. yeah. I want to touch on one other thing that you mentioned earlier. Uh, you talked about social media. Do you find that social media brings out the inner critic more for you? And are there any things that you have done intentionally to try to minimize that or, or solve for that? Meaning like, are there certain speakers that maybe I follow technically, but I have them yeah. muted or are there uh, speakers yep. or events or bureaus or just to avoid, like you said, it's easy to like, you pull up someone's page and you're like, look at all these amazing events or look at all this huge book signing or look at all these books that they sold or look, look at their latest gig, or they just signed a book deal or signed up, you know, exclusive with this bureau or whatever it is. You're just like, what the heck? And like, just, you just know about yourself that following, you know, this speaker or really paying attention to that speaker or whatever brings that out of you. So Mm -hmm. is there anything like within social media that you've had to be intentional about doing? Yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely done that. I can tell when I'm feeling more vulnerable, you know, maybe I'm making, maybe I'm growing in a different way. Maybe I'm um, like, I, I made a decision during the pandemic to, to hold pretty firm to my, like I, I was going for I wasn't going for quantity. Right. So we weren't just saying a lot of yeses. And then, yeah, I was seeing people who are like doing five events in a, in one day because they can. And I just knew that wasn't the right thing for me. Um, and I can tell when I'm in a vulnerable place that maybe I've made a decision that I know is right for me, but you're still sensitive about it. Right. It's like a scab is healed, but it's still, if you bump it on a, if you bump it on the table, it's going to hurt a little bit. So I know, and it's really important, I think, for everyone to recognize that this doesn't have to do with the other person. This is me. This is, this is you, this is your own thing. And from there you can choose. So I have had, I've had times where I've muted or unfollowed or just not gone there and then hoped that the algorithm would kind of pick up on that. Sometimes the algorithm picks up on like, this is a place that you're intentionally not going to. And so, so that is one thing I, and I don't, think there's any, I don't think there's any harm in that as long as you know that it isn't their fault. Like this isn't their problem. This is your thing. And to also revisit it because I have been so inspired by people who are further along than me and have incredible relationships with people who are further along than me. And if I just cut them out, it's material for inspiration for what a career could look like, right? Two other things is to know that someone is probably looking at you and thinking the same thing. And I think that A, that helps 
me. It helps the person that's dealing with it. And it also helps you to be a little bit more compassionate to, to recognize that position because we all have, there's, we all have people that we look up to and we all have people who are looking up to us. And so that's really important. And then the last thing I do, my favorite thing actually is when I'm, I'm in one of those places or even when I'm not, you can say to yourself, well, that's just their highlight reel. So fine. Yeah. We all know that it's the highlight reel, but instead of focusing on that, I go back and I look at my own highlight reel. Like I stare at my own Instagram and watch my own demo reel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, that was that girl's so fun. really good. Like, this is awesome. Like, look at, and, and why not? Like if you're, if you're in a place where you're feeling that, but in your, you have your inner critic, use your own stories to inspire yourself so that you can fully show up and inspire others. So the number of times I'm like, you know, if you're in one of those doom scrolling moods, like it's, you should be asleep, but you keep staying up. And I intentionally click over to my own Instagram and I read my stories and I look at those photos and am reminded of my life that I love. And I, I think that's one of my favorite strategies. That's good. Well, again, we've just scratched the surface here. The book is Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. Kendra, we appreciate the time. If people want to find out more about you, check out the book. Uh, where, where can we go? The book is all places that books are sold, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. You can also go to bookshop.org and support a local bookstore. My website is kendrahall.com and I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.